My name is Jacqueline Vasquez. Me llamo Jacqueline Vasquez. My name is Michael Leonel Cifuentes. And we are doing Carmela Full of Wishes. Or Carmela Llena de Deseos, Los Deseos de Carmela. Here in Mesa Theater. Carmela is a seven-year-old girl. Tiene siete años. It's her birthday. It's her cumpleaños, and she gets to go to La Lavandaria with her big brother. Despierta, Carmela, despierta. Mira que ya amaneció. Ya los pajaritos cantan. La luna ya se metió. Uh, yes, it is Carmela's birthday, and she's super excited for everything that's going to happen on a very special day. But there's one very special person that's missing, and it is Papi, who unfortunately is back at his, in his home country, getting his papers fixed so that he can be back with his family. So, es el cumpleaños de Carmela. Tiene siete años y está bien divertida para, para ir a explorar, a hablar con la comunidad, con toda la gente que tiene y que todo. Pero uno siente que le falta una pieza a todo el puzzle que tiene. Um, I'm making my wish. Open your eyes. It's my primera vez que yo puedo hablar español en en una obra. I really get to make homage to my family and to the people that I love and that I grew up with. It, it's a blessing, honestly. Que yo que yo puedo hacer esto para mi familia y para hacer mucho amor con like our cast and it's it, it's muy especial. It's very special. Come see us. Ven y mirar Carmela Full of Wishes at Main Street Theater. Carmela, Carmela. Luz de mis ojos, lindos deseos, has de tener hermosa magia. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tony Diaz de Libertaficante, author of the Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And this is another Nuestra Palabra multi-platform broadcast, but we are still celebrating the 25th anniversary of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say, because this show is connected all the way back to April 1998 to our first ever showcase with one of our founding members. And I got to give him a shout out before we tell you the context, what we're doing here, and we're talking about Ladies and gentlemen, bringing him back home to H-Town, to his radio show, Alvaro Scar Rios. That crazy Max from Texas. Crazy Max from Texas. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Tony. It's so great to see you. Gosh. Uh, I mean, yeah, we were just talking about how, like, from the beginning days of being in the, you know, in the back of that party room at Chapultepec Restaurant and how uh, we would try to get people to come to the events and, and uh I would handwrite the the envelopes and <laughs> we would lick the envelopes and put the, the stamps on there and mail them out and hopefully people would show up for our next event and uh 
that was uh and then you know from there you know eventually getting the uh the the radio uh show which was which was great in terms of learning how to be a producer to be a part of it i mean it, that that's what i really loved about being involved in what's palabras in terms of the work that we were doing in terms of um yeah like really connecting with the community but even for me it was it was connecting with people community but i also was learning how to do things on the fly like learn how to like produce a radio show uh uh on you know basically i there's times where i had to learn how to do it on my own and uh <laughs> but it was uh and you couldn't use youtube to look it up no no man so it was it was an exciting time to be able to do all that and um and so yeah i'm i'm always grateful to whenever i can reconnect with you and uh yeah man just from from the beginning i have to say and i'll say i always tell people like you you were definitely a mentor to me as i was i mean i didn't even know what an mfa was until i met you and uh, you definitely inspired me to get an MFA. I mean, and, and it's kind of awesome to look back to all the people who were involved with Nos Palabras and uh, Nos Palabras from the beginning and those who have MFAs or, or you know, for, who have begun and become uh, university professors who continue to, you know, speak the gospel of, you know, like we got to, you know, the got to gotta get the, uh, celebrate the word of the community, you know, and uh, so I'm really grateful to, for you for that. And then, and awesome that we can reconnect over this production too. Th thank you so much for, for all of that. And it means so much to me to get to, to chat, but also to celebrate, because guess what? We were right. We said that people love Latino literature. We said that Houston had talent and you're proof of that. And in the blink of an eye, uh, do me a favor, tease folks with which production we're celebrating, because you're the guy. <laughs> so yeah so the production we're celebrating is uh carmela full of wishes uh at uh, main street theater which is pretty exciting um and i think i mean I'm, i i should have been a little more prepared for this but i think this is the like sixth production of the wow. play um so it's pretty exciting and obviously having a play being done in my hometown um you know to be able to kind of celebrate this and, and really have this story about this uh you know this very uh, uh, strong Latina uh, who's uh, who has this uh, vivid imagination, and so I'm I'm really excited about that, and and the fact that we have uh, we're we're here with the director and uh, with uh, also the uh, performer who plays Carmela. Um, I'm like that's yeah. I'm glad we're able to connect on that and be able to uh, to to do to um, to bring this to everyone. That's fantastic, and in a little bit. We'll give a nice longer introduction to Laura Moreno, who is uh, the director, and then also uh, Jacqueline Vasquez, who is in the play. I'll set the context up. If you happen to be stumbling across us right now, that means you might be watching Nuestra Palabra Latino Artists Having Their Say first on Facebook page, where we live stream it through StreamYard live. And then our awesome crew of Roxana Guzman and Rodrigo Bravo take the video and the video might air on fox26houston.com so maybe you're watching it there and then rodrigo will edit the audio and air it on one of our first platforms 90.1 fm kpft houston's community station and alvaro we're still community run and operated so you remember what it's like to pitch so i'm gonna ask you to pitch after me but hey i gotta remind folks that if you're <laughs> listening right now the only reason we can bring you this deep level of community cultural capital and the highest level of art and aesthetics is because we run these radio airwaves. If you think that's the way things should be, 
please make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven to Say, to KPFT by either visiting kpft.org or calling. I think you still know the number. Alvaro, I'm going to put you on the No spot. way I don't know the number. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I can, I can tell it to you. 713. <laughs> if y'all want to old school dial, 713-526-5738. And then you can make a pledge to keep this station on the air for another. The station's actually turned 50 years old. We want to keep it on for another another half a half a century to bring you shows like this. And I'm so happy that we can put this all in context, but there's even more context as well. Um, I do want to mention that Meta La Peña uh, wrote the, 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 the book version of this. And of course we know Matt because as Libro Traficantes, we smuggled his work back into Tucson because some of his earlier work formed part of the, Mexican American Studies program in Tucson, Arizona, which was prohibited by right-wing legislators back in 2012. And that forced us to become book smugglers. And we're so happy to have united with the people of Tucson, along with people from across the country, to overturn that law. You were running the show, and we would meet in person and broadcast it. Vado, any any remembrances from the, the from those old days? Um, because it's become very different, and in fact, even the technology is different. We we take pledges online now, mostly. Oh man, yeah, no, I I totally remember all that in terms of uh, being a part of that, and uh, yeah, just like <laughs> even answering the phones when people were calling in, you know, in terms of. Uh, uh, when we were doing our pitches, um, yeah, definitely bringing in the um, uh, bringing in my own CDs, you know, <laughs> that we would jam to and all that. Um, I wouldn't even doubt I brought in some cassettes for all I know, you know, because um, they had all the different kind of setup. I remember, and I think they even had reel to reel there, so they had all this kind of setup there, and so that's what I really loved about. I mean. It was cool just to go and 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 uh, I mean I used that I mean I, I'm not gonna lie so as being a, one of the early producers of this, I used uh, that as an excuse to reach out to uh, various uh, bands uh, Latino bands uh, to to get their music um, so we could play it on air you know um, that's how I discovered uh, um, oh well me discovered I mean they existed for a while but like Grupo Fantasma out of Austin Texas I didn't know who they were. Um, and so I remember uh, reaching out and asking, hey, you know, can we, you know, get your, uh, you know, CDs and so, uh, so we can, uh, you know, play them and give them out. So that's definitely how I learned about them, how I learned about like Los Lonely Boys. Um, I was, uh, it, it was pretty cool to even reach out to like, you know, various uh, um, uh, Texas bands uh to kind of get that music and and i tried to you know reach out nationally but i don't know nobody really responded but definitely the texas <laughs> bands did so it was awesome you know especially you know coming out of like you know san antonio and all those various other bands so it was really cool to be able to do that um so that's that's what i really enjoyed about being part of this and i mean i think that what what i finally what unique about what what this thing is is that we've been able to continue to highlight 
various voices in terms of the 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 Lat, Lat, Latin, Latinx uh, perspective, you know, and and I mean these voices that don't don't are are that don't um, that aren't always um, highlighted in terms mm -hmm. of you know mainstream media, you know. So it's really cool to we got to meet so many different authors and bring them in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, from uh, gosh, uh, Esmeralda Santiago, from Sandra, Sandra Cisneros, mm -hmm. who I heard you're actually going to be doing a fundraiser with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, gosh, uh, yeah, I mean, just so many different uh, styles of writers who can really connect with so many different audiences. Because I think, you know, I mean, you've always said it like we, we as Latinos, we're not a monolith, right? Like we represent so many different voices. Um, and it's really cool to be able to, um, to see those different voices and say, you know what, this is, you know, we, we, we write, uh, you know, um, we write fiction, we write nonfiction, we write poetry. Um, I mean, yeah, look, look at Javier Garza, man. I remember when you introduced me to him at the San Antonio uh, uh, festival uh, when he was selling uh, Jesus wore a zoot suit that's that, right. that he had printed on his own. That's right. And he was he just selling published his 14th book. Yeah, he was selling those mm -hmm. things like he was like, I mean, he was selling them out of the trunk of his car. Man. <laughs> and and it was just, I mean, and that's it was awesome to be able to see that. Cause I mean, if you go to the bookstores, you would never know that like mm -hmm. our voices were there. Like we would see Sandra Cisneros, you might see like an Esma Santiago, Esmeralda Santiago. Um you know, uh, but you didn't you didn't see some of these other voices. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what that's what I'm really grateful for in terms of what Nuestra Palabra has done. Um, and uh, for those who uh, listen, um, if definitely if this is important to you, please support uh, Nuestra Palabra um, through uh, um, uh, KPFT 90.1. Um, because, yeah, like this is uh, it's I mean, just a show like this is important. These are these voices are important. Um and uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely vital, vital to our, our, our community to be able to hear different voices. You know, I mean, I think this is why I, I mean, one of the reasons why I took on the Carmela uh, Full of Wishes, uh, specifically because that story is very important. Mm -hmm. um, it's an important story that we continue to need to tell and humanize. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of what I love about that. So it's, that's awesome. And uh, quick question, Rodrigo. I think because you do so much with music, it's interesting that I think you've continued in that tradition, bringing all these cool different sounds, um, especially a lot of reggaeton to the show. Hey. Well, I mean, we we have to stay you know, current. We got to play what people want to hear as well. But I think really what Alvaro was talking about earlier, I really want to just kind of resonate with me, is back when Nuestra Palabra started, it was about providing platforms, right? Providing a medium, a voice for works that weren't being highlighted. And then it moved on to an actual movement where you're trafficking books that were banned, you know, and, and, and it's still going on. Even our own Lupe Mendez had his book banned at one of the independent school districts here in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so it comes full circle that Matt De La Pena's book was banned in Arizona. And now here we are with Laura Moreno and Jacqueline Vasquez talking about Matt's play being put on the stage is such a nice full circle moment because it just really embodies how our shows like Nostra Palabra are so critical and so important and that the work that Alvaro was doing was not in vain. The work that you're doing is not in vain, that we continue to do this because it's not hyperbole when we say that the work we do can pose a threat to people. 
that don't understand that word. And so I'm really thankful for Alvaro for adapting to play, for Laura directing it, Jacqueline performing and, and bringing the best to it because we need these stories out on the stage. We need these books being read and this music to be heard. So really kudos to all three of y'all for and making sure that we push this legacy, making sure we put work out there. That's fantastic. I don't want to overwhelm listeners either. We're trying to take 25 years of a movement and squeeze it into one short radio show program. But there's one concrete thing you can do to celebrate that. Welcome another part of the Latino family, Main Street Theater, because they're putting on this important play. They're getting Latinx actors, writers on stage, Latinx voices. That's what's up. That's what counts. Do me a favor, Alvaro. Introduce our friends and tell people which day they can go see this beautiful play and how they can get more information on it. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I want to make sure that we, I mean, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Laura Moreno, the director of uh, Carmela Follow Wishes, as well as uh, Jacqueline Vasquez. Welcome. I mean, both talented individuals. Welcome. Want to go first, Laura? Hi, I'm Laura Moreno, and I'm the director of Carmela Full of Wishes. Um, this is actually my second show directing at Main Street. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, I directed um, another one of Matt De La Pena's books um, that had been turned into a, um, a children's show, um, which was Last Stop on Market Street. So mm-hmm. this is my second time with Matt, um, but my first time with um, directing one of Alvaro's works. And my name is Jacqueline Vasquez. I have been given the pleasure to work with Laura as a performer, and I play Carmela in Carmela, Full of Wishes. And oh, very cool. Yes. La estrella, la mera mera. Ah. <laughs> she doesn't like being called mera. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been really nice. And it's been, I've been working with Main Street for almost, almost a year now. So it has been a gift to be able to do the show for, an, for a young audience and also for families families that come to see the show. Wow. Well, before we even even dive in, I want to make sure that, you know, for those who are interested in even just know quickly to see the show, you can go to MainStreetTheater.com where you can uh, look for uh, their um, uh, Carmela Full of Wishes. That's where you can uh, find tickets. The show is actually running now um, uh, and they have uh, weekend performances for the public. Uh, I think the weekend performances run all the way until October 21st. Um, so, uh, all performances are at match Houston or match. I think it's, uh, that's the one thing, the place I'm, I, I know it's called match, but I don't know what they call it match Houston. Cause I don't live in Houston anymore, but, uh, I, well, that's the- right. That's kind of new. That's right. It, yeah. That evolved since you left match. Um, and I, I never asked for the address because I know where it is, but we should give the address out. Who's yeah. got the address handy? 3,400 main street. 3400 Main Street. I, mm-hmm. From my understanding, if you're, it's not that far from the Ensemble Theater. Um, and is, right by HCC Central. HCC Central, where I, as I was telling Rodrigo earlier, that's actually where I used to work before I, um, before I moved away uh, to the Midwest. Uh, so that whole area is a definite piece of my heart. So I'm really... That's pretty cool that this show is going on. But I would love for, I mean, either um, either you, uh, well, uh, let's, let's go with you, Laura. Like, tell me in terms of your, um, when uh, diving into this, I mean, I mean you've, you've, this is your second uh, Matt de la Peña uh, piece, but then also, I mean, we also have to acknowledge that you also have a young one. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, tell me, like, you know, th- that you're, I don't know, like you, you want to talk about, you know, in terms of your your experience doing this, but also what what 
Why, why is this important? Why, 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 why do we, why do you do what you do? Absolutely. Um, so I'm a classically trained actress and a lot of the work that I studied in college through both my BFA and my MFA were um, very Eurocentric work um, that I didn't always see myself reflected in. Um, and so during my MFA, I, I kind of switched a, up things a little bit and I started to do um, Tejano studies as well, um, Tejano theater studies, but specifically also um, Latinx theater studies, um, wanting to know more about um, the Texas experience, but um, the, the differentiation between um, the Latinx experience, um, depending on region and culture and what all of those things meant, um, because I was also trying to find out who I was in the process as well. Um, and with that, it was just this avalanche of stories that I felt needed to be told. Um, and now a lot of the work that I do really does focus on underrepresented, underserved communities, stories, and how can I find ways to uplift them and to share them and to um, use my knowledge and my platform as much as I possibly can to tell those stories. Um, so Matt De La Pena's books, I actually had both Market Street um, and we also have Milo um, and we have Carmela um, because I have a four and a half year old. And so um, I don't That's know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good age. Right. Um, but I was really learning through this whole process it, it, that it wasn't just about telling stories, but it was also about, audi about audience cultivation um, and the importance of um, taking um, works and introducing them to young audiences, but making sure that there was representation within those works, um, that it really did matter what we were showing um, the next generation of audiences. Um, and so um, when Market Street was presented to me as an opportunity, I jumped on it. Um, I thought it was an amazing book and I thought it was an amazing play. And I got to work with a whole bunch of BIPOC artists um, that I had never worked with before. And it just really introduced my love for um, theater for young audiences. Like I really felt like I have to be here. This is, this is so important. And it, I was able to take the same kind of attention I would give to a show being put up by a regional theater to this the same kind of love and support and, and honoring of doing a children's show as well. And I think that was like a really big part of like just understanding that it's not just children's children's shows. It's mm. it's just as important as something that's going on at a very large regional theater because these are the next this is the next generation of artists. This is the next generation of theater supporters. And they're gonna take these stories and they're gonna learn something from them and they're gonna go on. So when Carmela, when I was asked to do Carmela, I, I just, I was floored because Carmela, <laughs> what I told Jackie on the first day was Carmela reminds me so much of my child. Um, and, <laughs> and we actually channeled my little girl a lot in, throughout the play to kind of figure out like, what would a 
very young person do at this moment? How do they react to frustrations? How do they, you know, get what they want? Um, and so it was a really lovely experience. And Izzy was in my child was in the room with us many times, um, watching and and um, telling us what to do <laughs> in some cases. Um, but Carmela was just so. There was something so sweet about mm. just exploring the relationships within a small family. Um, and then also the idea that the acceptance of loss and grief, mm. um, that we don't always understand that we experience actually on a daily basis. Um, and how Carmela has this ability to find joy and love and wonder in so many things. And it was such a beautiful reminder of that when we are experiencing something so tragic, that there still is beauty in the world and that we should look at it through a child's eyes in the sense of like just the wonder, the love, the the, the admiration for, for whatever it is. And it was just such a, a beautiful experience building the story with Jackie and the rest of the cast. Um, the rest of the team. Um, it is a um, a bilingual um, production, so it is. I think we we did get it to be about sixty percent English, forty percent Spanish, um, and so it was building that world and honoring um, honoring. Well, one of the conversations that we had throughout the process was Spanish in Texas isn't the same thing as Spanish in California or Spanish in Florida or you know, if you're Cubana or we, one of our, um, our cast members is from Guatemala. And so we were talking about like phrases that we use and that it's, it's not interchangeable, that they, they really do mean something differently to every culture. And so it was really examining that and wanting to really build that story and honor that and um, honor the audience that would be coming to see the show and making sure that we, we made them feel welcomed and that they, they, they felt like they were um, part of the experience. And so it really was a lovely community collaborative experience working with a primarily Latine, um, Latinx team building the show. I'm glad you really talked about the importance of young audience theater because I think we, um, I mean, for those who work in, I mean, those of us who continue to work in theater, we always talk about how do you change theater? And this is how you change theater. Mm -hmm. um, if kids are able to see themselves on stage and they're able to see different narratives that might not even reflect their experience, but that yet something they can empathize with, like this is how you change theater. And I really wish, and I hope that, you know, any of the big theaters listening, this is what you need to incorporate into. And also, if you're smart, like in terms of, I mean, I feel like uh, with young audience theater, um, really what it can be, the potential is to be multi-generational theater. Mm -hmm. um, I've been very fortunate that to have, uh, even when I wrote Carmela, I told people like, you don't have to have kids to go see it and enjoy this show. Um, you can go, at, uh, I don't care what age you are. And we have had that mm -hmm. in the past from the Chica production in Chicago to Seattle, Milwaukee, Omaha, um, all the various productions that we've had, we've had adults come in the audience and without kids and enjoy it. And so that's, 
um that's i mean that's i feel like in terms of uh, oh this is me just getting on my soapbox about multi-generational theater and why i feel like this is what the next steps of what theater needs to do um and definitely um and we can approach it in the way as a young audience because if you really think about it i think tya if it's done well it can be done very similar to way um you know the um the uh the animated giants like uh pixar and all them like i mean adults go see that and they don't see it as kids things anymore mm -hmm. you know because they're so they can cover so many different themes and uh subjects and all that and i think there's an interesting way of being able to look things through a kid's eyes and be able to take on the certain subject we can take it all on whatever it is and this one definitely about a, a mixed status family um, and being able to humanize them, especially in times where, when times where we do get to see them demonized, um, that uh, that this is a great way to be able to do that, and uh, and that's really what I love about uh, this story. Hi, I'm Matt De La Pena, author of Last Stop on Market Street and our new book, Carmela Full of Wishes. And I am Christian Robinson, the illustrator of both Last Stop and Carmela Full of Wishes. Carmela Full of Wishes is a story about a young girl who lives in a migrant worker community and is really excited because it's her birthday and she's finally old enough to go with her older brother to run some errands in their town and on their journey she finds a dandelion growing out of the concrete and so she starts to imagine all the things she can wish for. The basic concept of the story is very simple. The book is about sibling love and loyalty and family but there's also like an undercurrent Around 9 million people living in America today are part of mixed status families like Carmela's, where at least one family member is undocumented. And we wanted to just tell a basic story that takes place in that community. My parents teach in a migrant community in California, and just being around those kids, I wanted a story where they were the stars. I knew that when illustrating Carmela Full of Wishes, I really wanted to do something really fun and playful with the wishes that she starts to imagine. Um, so I thought maybe I could do something different by using papel picado, which is a traditional Mexican craft where you kind of cut up tissue paper. And so that's the way I tried to visualize each of Carmela's wishes. What made me excited about Christian's art is I think he did such a great job just paying homage to the vibrancy of Mexican-American culture and neighborhoods like Carmela's. I haven't seen many stories like Carmela Full of Wishes, and I was really excited to tell a story that isn't often seen in picture books. One of my favorite spreads is a moment when we get to see one of Carmela's wishes. She wishes that her father could be home but he isn't because he's not able to have his papers in order because he's been deported. I really connected with this moment in the story because even though I don't know what it's like to have a parent taken away by deportation, I know what it's like to have a parent taken away by a system. I hope to connect with young readers and let them know that they're not alone and that their experience and their story matters. To see a character like Carmela in a story could make a lot of difference to a lot of children. I know for me, it would have made me feel less alone and, and more connected. Jacqueline, I want to bring you in this conversation because, I mean, as a um, 
you know, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, where you, you went to TCU, you're a performer. This is your second, um, or is there, was it second um, year uh, performing with Main Street? Uh, I could be wrong. Um, but uh, specifically, like, I mean, tell me about your own experience. I mean, in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, I got into theater um, or got into writing because I realized that the opportunities are very limited. And so unless I created them, um, and I'm saying this is all inspired by my work at Nuestra Palabra, but unless we created our own experiences or, or things like they, it wasn't just going to happen. And so I'm, I'm curious about in terms of, you know, from a, you're from a different generation, like we're like in terms of the opportunities for you, like something like this, like, I mean, how, how often does this happen for you? So I remember whenever I, I saw the audition notice for Carmela Full of Wishes that, um, that it was the first time that I ever got the opportunity to speak Spanish in an audition or to speak, wow. or to have, uh, I also had, I, I even came out of the audition, just the audition process, just literally the audition, talking with my family. I came home and I said, mom, dad, that was the first time I was not alone in a room where I was the only Latinx actor. Wow. And that was the first time where I was able to go and we all had very similar experiences. We all had very similar stories. We all had similar families or similar like dialects and it felt so cool. Okay, so after, so I was very, very lucky to be able to be cast loud and soft to be able to give me this this role to to cultivate and to help. But how, even before the role, how I got into theater was, I don't know, maybe Alvo, you might know it, but I did Mecca when I was younger. Of course. Yes. Shut up, man. This is our yeah. legacy level Yeah, the, I, 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 I co-produced the, the, I mean, I self-produced the Crazy Mexican show at Mecca. There you we needed, go. We needed a space and it was just like, let's do a space in the community. So that's it. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I love Mecca. So my mommy, so my mom, when I, from a very young age, she, uh, I was a very sickly kid when I was younger, so I couldn't do a lot of stuff. But the one thing I was allowed to do was I, I could be indoors. And so my mom put me in dance and she put me in baile flocorico. And so I started doing performing through Mecca and I would stay there during like the summer. I was in the summer camps almost every single year. My goodness, is the building so hot? And um, <laughs> it's so hot in there. But we I, that's how I got into a lot of my theater. And so the Latinx art, like art base was always part of my life. It was something that cultivated me into who I am. Um, and then as I got older, I, I followed a very similar route as Laura. I be, it became very Eurocentric and it became very... Um, white dominant as as they would say but um so i had to figure out my own self through that if i was like do i in the alara we talked about this while we were in the process of of um there was a feeling of you had to be a teeter-totter of different things like oh now i'm not next or no no i'm not latinx but um and just being allowed to be yourself in a room and so being able to do this show has given me so much permission to reevaluate who I am as a person and to reevaluate what I want to bring to the table. And so it has truly been a great process and it's truly been a great, very healing journey, honestly, because we got to talk about things that 
really they happen to people I know and it happened in my life as well. I have a big brother, but she's a sister in my life. And I had a mom and who's my mom and my dad. And they're both immigrant like parents that came here to the United States. My dad came here when he was 14 with nothing. And so he's a self-made man who now owns an air conditioning company. And he didn't know any English. He only had like $5 and the clothes on his back. And then my mom came here with her family and she was the first to go to college in her, in her, um, her family. And then she also got her master's. So I have family that is hardworking, self-made Latinx people in Houston. So that is what I wanted to bring to the table for myself. I have to point something out here. Um, this is so wonderful to hear, but I want listeners to understand one thing. All the folks that you're hearing from behind the scenes, um, including, and I want to make, remind folks of Roxana Guzman helping with the multi-platform broadcast, Rodrigo Bravo, who's our audio engineer, and so many other things to Nuestra Palabra. Um, all of us are advanced degrees, college degrees, motivated. So it's not that the talent and interest isn't there. It's That's hard right. for us to get to because, yes, we're celebrating this. KPFT, which is why this platform has evolved, is over 50 years old. Mecca, which Alice Valdez founded, is over 40 years old. Nuestra Palabra, I guess we're the baby, 25, 25, 25 years. You got Main Street Theater coming on board. Uh, and then you've got folks, you know, Alvaro's been working so hard at that uh, across the board. Uh, Laura, we hang out too with BIPOC Arts Network uh, Fund as well, which is the new legacy of BIPOC Arts. What is my point? My point is go experience the play because it's a lot of fun, but do not take for granted that art can be taken away. And if you go to Mecca, we have the Libra Tafikante Underground Library there. You can look at the Ark of the Covenant, the, the Ark of the Book there, which has a mural given to the Libra Tafikantes by the students of Tucson, and that houses some of the prohibited books. Why? Mass book was banned in Arizona. It can always go away. Didn't mean to bring us down. I tell you what, let's do one more round. Uh, and someone listening may think that, you know what, that play's not for me, or they're all fancy people, or do I got to know Spanish? <laughs> let's, let's go around. We'll, we'll, we'll go um, Alvaro and then Laura, and then we'll Jackie. Uh, someone out there, you're going to say the magical words that will get them to go to Main Street Theater to see Caramel Full of Wishes, Alvaro. I would say uh, you need to see it it's an American story. I mean, I think it's uh, – uh, we, we, we can – you can call it – I mean, it's yes, it is about this mixed-status family, but it's an American experience, and I think uh, that's what the, the American theater, the, the, the stage is for, is to be able to tell – uh, these tales about the American experience. And this is definitely one of them. Um, and it's definitely one that isn't, um, usually isn't historically told on the American stage. And so definitely something that is worth sharing and uh, seeing for yourself. But also, I mean, if you have young ones, uh, bring them. And if, you, if you're just the young at heart, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be able to connect with some various moments in the piece. Alorsarios, founding member of Nuestra Palabra, proving... They still has the silky pipes. So he, he <laughs> it on behind the scenes and in the spotlight. Uh, Laura, break it down for us, por favor. Absolutely. Um, well, even though it's a bilingual show, uh, we do have subtitles um, above um, the stage. And so um, the beautiful part about it is that um, everything that is said in Spanish is um, subtitled in English and everything that is said in English is subtitled in Spanish. And so anybody can follow along. 
um, with this um, uh, with this show and and be a part of it. Um, the other to, to just add on what um, Alvaro said about it being an American story, um, it's a very human story at that. Mm. Um, being able to just navigate life and still be able to find joy and wonder and the importance and imagination of the sorry the importance of imagination and the importance of dreaming mm-hmm. um being able to hold on to hope um which that's something carmela holds on the entire time and mm-hmm. we get to see the juxtaposition between her and big brother throughout the story of like what it's like when we lose hope what it's like um when we have responsibilities and what what it does for the soul when you're able to dream um and just kind of live in in the fantasy a little bit of what's what's possible and keep um and hold on to that hope and so i i feel as though a american story but also a very human story um one of, that's very important for us to remember as we navigate life mm-hmm. right now i mean not everything is great um as we navigate life to hold on to those things to, to hold on to hope Beautiful. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for all that you do holding it down for Latino art and culture here in Houston. And uh, let's close out with the star of the show. Uh, I hope everyone will take advantage of seeing her while you can. In a few years, you can't even get close to her, okay? She's from our own hometown. Let's support her. Uh, Jackie, close us out. I would say that the main thing to be able to come see this show is as, as Alvaro and as Laura has said, it's but it's, it's a human experience. It's about family, which is very much rooted in the culture, the beautiful culture that we're in. But it's also about the, the feeling of being able to see yourself on stage. There's everyone, every single character that we, that's on that stage, you see in real life. You truly meet in real life. And having a family, whether you're older, younger, middle age, trying to get through life, you will be able to witness something that you see on that stage that you will say, that's something I I felt, that's something I've seen, that's something I've heard, that's something I've smelled, all the senses. And hopefully bring you some joy and bring you some peace of mind in the time that we are living right now. Fantastic. We look forward to seeing you on the stage. We wish you continued success. Want to thank everybody who's tuned in. And I uh, want to thank, of course, our crew, Rodrigo Bravo, who's our sound engineer, among many other things. Roxana Guzman, who produces our multi-platform broadcast and does so much as well. We've got a huge team, huge leadership effort. want to thank all of them, including our sponsors. And uh, I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. want to let you know that on October 15th, we're having a special event. Sandra Cisneros, author of The House on Mango Street, is coming to Houston for a special fundraiser for Nuestra Palabra. You can go to nuestrapalabra.org to find out more. And of course, we are always here on all the different platforms. I want to thank KPFT, which is one of our original platforms. And one last appeal. If you're tuning in, the only reason that you can hear during prime time in one of the largest cities in America 
about our art and culture is because KPFT is community sponsored. So please continue that tradition. Please make a donation to KPFT in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say by visiting kpft.org or calling 713-526-5738. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you all for coming to the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing all of you behind the book. Strohs, go Strohs. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>